Today we honor the late Martin Luther King Jr., who was not only a minister, a social rights activist, a leader of the American Civil Rights Movement, who did so many things for the African-American community. He was also a father, a husband, a son. He once said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. What a powerful message of resiliency, excellence, drive that we saw and how Martin Luther King Jr. showed up for us in this world, showed up for a nation, and was able to change so many things that affects us even today positively. We honor you and we thank you. You need to identify why is there a culture where there is retaliation? Where is that coming from? Is that the culture of the CEO? Is that what the CEO wants? Or is it specific um, other um, areas or other leaders within the maybe that C-suite or that executive tree that has created this culture? And if they have, how do you remedy it? Is it letting go of them? Is it addressing it and saying as a CEO, we want to make sure feedback is feedback is welcomed and that's the culture. And then as a CEO, you're going to have to step out there and say, we want your feedback. Leaders need constant developing. It might be on the personal side of development or the professional side, but essentially the work that you do on yourself will benefit how you show up as a leader in the home as well as within the workplace. Check out these testimonials from some clients I've worked with in the past and make sure you book your session soon. They want to continue on this journey because it has been very beneficial for me. Um, like I said, I'm not the same person. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was five weeks ago. How I fit your strategic goal. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that does. I mean, I'll, I, I'm glad I'm glad you got me there because that's, that's good. So. You feel it was accurate? Like, what, what's your feedback? I think it was definitely accurate. Thank you so All much. Right. This was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you have a period. Like, how do you feel now? I do want to be successful in my business. Um... I need to work on me. I'm like, I'm happy right now. I am. I'm, That's this is good. good. So what are you waiting for? Schedule your session today. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Internal Fire Presents the Act and Lead series. And on today's episode, we are talking about McDonald's, right? Not the good fries, all right? Not the Big Mac meal, but we're talking about a season where they had some issues that they're still navigating around. Imagine having 52 employees, diverse talent, Franchise owners sue you due to racial discrimination. How do you navigate that? How do you work through that process? And what can you learn from them in order for you to navigate it in your business and your organization? So as always, get your notepads, get your note-taking materials, and let's get in today's message with myself, Corey, and Tyrus. Let's go. What's up? Good afternoon. Good morning. We're not sure what time zone you're in, but you are here with us for another session of Rise or Fall. This is a 
leadership series that we're doing where we are highlighting and pinpointing a company, an organization, a brand, an agency that has hit a bump in the road that they're in a, re I call it a fall season. And now there is a transition point that they're probably have to, they're going to have to make because if they don't, they could potentially continue to fall and that could be the end of the business. So it's so important that if you are a CEO, entrepreneur, you might be an emerging leader or maybe even in the C-suite, all this information that you're going to get on this, on these series that we're doing is going to help benefit you be more proactive because what we have identified is there are a lot of organizations and businesses out there that are not being proactive, they're being reactive. So get plugged in, get your notepads, whatever note-taking material you have because these sessions are going to allow you to be more proactive and get the tools you need to be able to be an effective leader and also really manage your organization a lot effectively. So that's about that's about it with me. But I'm here with my amazing, my amazing partners and we are ACT Leadership and Management Consulting. I'm here with Tyra Shivers. Corey Sigu, and we are a collective here to transform leaders, organizations, and really take you guys to the next level and how you do your business. All right. So good. How y'all doing? Y'all nope. doing well? Good. I'm like, you know, I'm always great. Hey, that's you know, wonderful. <laughs> hey, I got the I got the sound working today. That's the that's the best part. You want to know what I'm thankful for? And you shift some things around behind you too. Yeah, I, I did. I did a little bit. Uh, you know, I got the I got the board right here that I've been doing some things on. Um, I don't have a quote for y'all in the background today, but we're going to work on getting that for y'all. All Ooh. right. <laughs> Anything you did differently in your background, Tyrus? Nah, I need to erase this stuff off of my whiteboard, <laughs> but it's just kind of sitting there. But I'm just hey, happy to be here. You back awesome. there giving the game away. I know, right? Like, ooh, how much y'all make last night? No, I'm joking. Right. But anyway, uh, but let's pivot. Before we get into the rise and fall today, we're focusing on McDonald's. McDonald's is hitting, it has hit a fall season. But before we get into that, we have a new segment called Leadership in the News. So Tyrus, pull up that graphic. And today we're going to talk about, you know, a current event that's happening that a lot of people might be talking about right now in regards to leadership. Um, so if you haven't followed the story, what happened is the CEO of Wells Fargo has recently apologized. But initially what happened is that he basically blamed you know, the reason why uh, Wells Fargo lacks diversity is due to a very limited pool of black talent. So it says Wells Fargo CEO Charles Scharf, I think that's how you pronounce it, apologized in a company-wide memo on Wednesday for twice blaming the bank's lack of employee diversity in a very limited pool because of a very limited pool of black talent. Scharf called his earliest statements, which he made in an email to workers in mid-June, and then repeated on a Zoom call insensitive and a reflection of his own unconscious bias. Guys, we've been talking about unconscious bias a lot, a lot. The memo which Wells Fargo released Wednesday also highlighted a number of Black executives who have been hired or recently promoted, as well as a list of efforts company-wide they have taken to improve on diversity. So, you know, that has been one of the things that we talk about a lot on Saturdays about DE and I and the importance of it. But what is you guys take? Let's start off with Tyrus. What is your take on what the CEO of Wells Fargo said um, in regards to being a leader and as well as addressing the area of diversity inclusion and what's the most important equity? So again, I believe that this is just another knee jerk reaction and reactive apology. He said what he said and he meant it. Now, 
I think Wells Fargo just has some leadership overall training that they need because it weren't they involved with some of that bringing up accounts and giving people ghost accounts and things like that and moving money around. So there's some problems there. And I find it hard to believe that out of all these successful places, these colleges and universities that have black students there, that they just have a very limited pool of black talent. I think when you're not looking for something, you miss it. So I don't believe he was ever looking. And now that his memo came out, now we want to say, oh, we hired this many people. So I get me and the CEO in on good terms. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm, I haven't been, and I'm going to just be honest with y'all, I haven't been a super big fan of um, Wells Fargo simply because it just seems like they're always in the news for the wrong reasons. Um, and, they, you know, it may be a great company, but I've run into some people that actually, you know, who have worked for the company. They really haven't spoken highly of it, and they were minorities. So to, for him to make a comment as there's a very limited pool of black talent, um, I don't know if that necessarily is true. I mean, when you look at the amount of degrees, and Aisha, if, if you could back me on some stats, if you know them off the top of your head, the degrees for minorities in general, especially you know African-American individuals, especially African-American women, they're flying through the roof. So one of the things is, is that, like, like Tyra said, are you looking for it or are you are you just saying, you know, a statement uneducated? Right. Or, or are you ignorant to the fact that people are actually becoming more educated nowadays? Right. And then I, I also wanted to just highlight African-American women, because there is a boom of African-American women getting degrees, getting educated, like getting formal education. Right. And so for him to go out and make a statement that said, well, this is a very limited pool. I think you only limit yourself, honestly, in anything that you do in life, whether it's a job, leadership, hiring, wherever, HR, you only you only limit yourself because that's your thought. People will find whatever they want. Right. Like that's why we get into this entrepreneurship game, the leadership game. Right. Like people find the answers that they need. And I think at the end of the day, this is a this is a situation where he spoke out just in a in an uneducated manner to say that there's a limited, you know, talent of uh, a pool for for them to pull from. I agree 100 percent. And you're right. I mean, we are black women are just leading in so many industries in education. I mean, if you look at the amount that they are getting their undergraduate degrees, their um, um, postgraduate degrees, their doctorates, I mean, they're leading extensively in those areas. So you are correct. Um, and although that the CEO talked about limited pool, I think, again, that shows that there's limitations in regards to, he mentioned unconscious bias, um, and probably to the knowledge that maybe he had in that season. Because again, if we are living in a day and day and age where um, there's a call for diversity, there's a call for equity, there's a call for inclusion, when we talk about limitations, for him, what he should have done, and this is for any leader, CEO, anybody out there that's trying to remedy this DE&I space, is to find out, okay, if you will ever say out of your, out of your mouth or utter those words, we have a very limited pool. Now, you need to be considering, what do I need to do so this isn't a statement that we live by? What can we do to remedy this issue? So before he uttered those words, he could have he said, hey, currently there is a very limited pool. However, what I've, I've, I've identified is because of recruiting issues. It is because of we, are, we don't have um, a partnership with these HBCUs or other organizations. We have identified that there's some unconscious bias training that we need. That would have been a better response versus, hey, 
it's very limited. It is what it is. And this is a reactive. Again, we're trying to show leaders and you all out there to be more proactive. And this is a clear example of a reactive measure. I hope he's genuine. I hope well. And again, he's just one. He's the CEO of an entire organization. And if you look in this snippet here, Twitter has called for a boycott. And this is why we were talking about recently, even when we did the episode on Nick Cannon, make sure you go back, go back and watch that and how that whoever's representing your brand, how they can say something. And now it tarnishes the entire brand. Not everybody in Wells Fargo might feel this way, but this is the CEO. This is the top leader. This is the face of the organization seeing this. And now they're looking at the entire organization totally different. And I'm sure there's, they said they have black executives that work there, mm -hmm. but because the CEO said something now, even those executives that are diverse, that are in the minority population are going to be affected because the leader of that organization did not represent that brand well. So that's why when we do these programs about leadership development, we really connect and talk to leaders and really help them understand when you decide to be a leader, you are stepping into a space and I don't mean to go on a rant, right? You're stepping into a space where you're saying, I am willing to represent this brand, this company, this institution. Whenever I put my uniform on, I know that I am representing the Air Force. I am representing this organization, the 345 Flying Training Group. Like I'm representing this organization and I know I have to conduct myself and watch what I say because Unfortunately, as a leader, people will only connect sometimes the organization to you. And now they're looking at an entire organization as a bad seed. But what about those team members who don't believe this, who feel that they are pushing towards diversity? What about all the branch managers and all these people within that entity that are going to be affected by what the leader said? So we even have to look at it from the example of we need to be mindful of what we say as leaders, how we approach things, because we can affect so many other people because we lack the knowledge and we lack the information we need in order for, to, for, uh, for us to be effective and really affect change and be innovative. So I, I, it's unfortunate that he said this. It's unfortunate people are calling for boycott. But again, this organization is just not the CEO. There's so many other people that are within this organization and we don't want to penalize them for what he said. But essentially, whoever is the, um, you know, above him needs to really remedy this issue and make Make it an initiative to not only develop those leaders, allow them to think from a mindset of being innovative and be change agents. They need to also really make sure that they are about this life. Because again, when you're reactive, then people are starting to look at it like, oh, you're not really about this life. You're only doing this because something negative happened. And we need to make a culture shift, a mindset mindset set shift. As he mentioned, unconscious bias, he needs to do work within himself so he can undo those or un um uneducate himself about bad things and educate himself on the reality of things um, in regards to DE&I. So, I mean, it's just unfortunate. Um, but again, as a leader, you need to make sure you represent your brand and your institution well. And that even goes with the words that you utter out your mouth. What you got, Corey? Yeah. So, you, you know, one of the things that when, whenever we're working with a company and they, they always use numbers, right? So like in leadership, it's always about the numbers. Right. So what's the data show me that way we know that it's working or it's not working. Right. So here's something I just had it pulled up right here. Right. If you want to talk numbers like we're looking at right now, it says that 40.1 percent of non-Hispanic uh, whites. Right. And this is based on the census. So this is like this is the information given to the government. Right. So 40.1 percent of non-Hispanic whites age 25 and older had a had a bachelor's degree. Right. That's up from 33.2. So great. Right. During that same period of time, 
right? Blacks age, uh, African-Americans age 25 and older had an increase from 19% to 26%, right? That's a seven point raise in that, right? That's a 7% raise. I can go on to talk about Asians from 52 to 58, Hispanics from 13.9 to 18.8. But I just want to specifically talk to just the African-Americans because he said there's a lack of talent in there. At this point, right, and this is from 2019, I want you to ask yourself, can you not tap into a talent, a, a, a pool that's a quarter of the population for that people? Right. So that means in every single room, if you put four black people in a room together, one of them got a degree. So at that point, I want you to then ask yourself, are you making excuses or are you are you just uneducated? And it's OK to admit that. But we can't use numbers when it's convenient. We can't use numbers in a business when it's like. Oh, man, you know, we're, we're not going to make this move in the company because the numbers don't show that we can. Right. But then you, you then you try to justify where there's a lack of something. But the numbers show you that there isn't necessarily. So that's one of the things I just I just wanted to put some numbers behind what we were talking about and saying that as a position that he's in as a CEO, you can't come out with a statement like that when it's actually, in fact, not that true. Exactly. And again, it's so important as leaders that when we have identified there is a blind spot, if there's an area that is lacking, we need to do our part to make sure we identify the why behind it, right? How to fix it and then implement the processes in order for us to remedy it. And then make sure that is that that's going to be the culture shift. There's going to be something now you have to create a maintenance plan. And that's one of the things we do a lot of times when we go in to do these organizational restructures, we go through these different phases. Let's identify the why, because once we identify the why that we know specifically how to address it because we know that okay maybe it's unconscious bias training maybe it's the recruiting area and maybe it is maybe another area within um, maybe there is some racism or some things that are happening within the organization and now we have to address that okay now we can remedy those three areas and once again once we identify that is putting the right players in place hiring the right experts and then remedying the issue and making sure that culture maintains that same mindset so again leaders on ever go out there to address something and talk about limitations without talking about we are limited in this area, but this is how we're going to address it. That's how you handle limitation and that's how you address those type of issues. You got anything else on that, Tyrus? I'm done with Wells Fargo on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They have a systemic issue with doing the right thing. And whether and that's from top down once you find or identify that you have mistakes within your organization, you need to be remedying those mistakes and changing the culture. So you go from one piece and one aspect of bank accounts to now this statement. So where's the actual change? And my thing is for these CEOs and these companies, when you're making these memos, they have to understand that somebody is going to leak that out if that information is not good. So they, they're saying what they mean, but then they're retracting it and we're becoming, we're circling back to being reactive. So I'm, I'm done. Wells Fargo. I'm ready to get on to the McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. With the French fries or I love the French fries, but yeah, that that's so good. And again, the last thing, the last thing I'll say about it, we are living in an age where you can put it, you can say it on the zoom, you can put it on the employee board, but people now have platforms where they can share that information. So again, it's about changing your mindset, changing your approach. And we are no longer living in a season where you can be a living limited mindset leader. We are going into a a realm and a space where the future is diverse. 
um, our organizations and our teams are looking for something different. So it's time to be innovative as leaders. So let's transition. All right. I will, I'll shoot it to you, Tyrus. But again, today we're, we're highlighting McDonald's. McDonald's is in a fall season. Um, they're in a season that they've hit a hurdle. And now, you know, we're going to discuss how to remedy that and really address those issues. So you CEO out there, you entrepreneur, you business leader, you emerging leader who might run into these issues can start to think about how I can be more proactive so this doesn't happen. So fill us in on what's going on with McDonald's, Tyrus. Absolutely. So the overarching issue is, and even though it's current news, recent news, this has been ongoing for several years with McDonald's. So 52 former franchisees sue McDonald's for racial discrimination. What they said was, or their actual court filing is that McDonald's systematically found ways to drive them out of business, take their businesses away from them, or put Black-owned McDonald's or Black-owned franchisees into areas where they couldn't be successful as their white counterparts. So now they're driving them out of business and they're falling. Now, just to give you a little background, when we talk about McDonald's leadership, you have Chris Kemp Zinisky. He's the president and CEO, white male. Joe Erlinger, president of the USA, white male. <laughs> Mario Barbosa, he's the zone president East. He's a Hispanic male. Michelle Borkoff, she is a CIO and vice president, white female. Sparrow Julius, CFO, white male. Then we can keep going on down the line. They do have a black female as their chief supply chain officer, and that's Marion Gross. And then they have Mason Smoot, who is a senior vice president and chief restaurant officer. He's a black male. So when we look at this, first we look at what their words say. McDonald's said that they have potentially created more economic impact for diverse communities than any other company in the world. Their belief is rooted in diversity is inclusion. And then they have a proposition with a couple of pillars of customer assess, better together, committed to lead, and they're affecting businesses in a positive way. They also have a global diversity inclusion community. So they have a whole department that is focused on creating education entitled Food for Thought Beyond Bias. So those things sound good. They also have inclusive contractual practices. So they're committed to diversity, equal opportunity, and inclusive workspace culture. That being said, all of that is a mouthful. But when we come down to the actual complaint, McDonald's steer black franchisees towards restaurants in low-income neighborhoods, which typically, typically have higher security and insurance costs and lower volume sales. The lawsuit said that plaintiff's average annual revenue was $2 million, at least $700,000 less than McDonald's national average for his franchisees between 2011 and 2016. After subtracting restaurant costs for missed revenue over active years active, the plaintiffs say they've lost over $4 million per location on average. What do you guys think? Come on, start to share a little bit about me. You know, I used to love McDonald's. I used to eat there a lot. I mean, the fries, you know, they got a process. And another thing I want to throw in there, and Aisha, you could start us off and speak to this is, if we really know how McDonald's started with Ray Kroc coming in, working with the McDonald's brothers, kind of taking their idea, he blew it up, no doubt. 
but they were kind of swindled out of what was theirs. And now when I think about this, I'm looking at their history. They have a history built on kind of saying one thing, doing another thing. Aisha, what do you think about that? I mean, I think you highlighted a very good point. Um, you have a lot of organizations out there that are putting these statements out and saying we're the, you know, we're the ones that are, you know, uh, with the with the company that is leading in diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and we are inclusive, we're equitable. However, when you go inside the company, you start to see something completely different. So we have to know that as leaders, business owners, CEOs, we have to make sure that if we are going to put statements out there again, we have to make sure that we back it up. We have to make sure we have. The the data, the fact, and again, the people inside of it, because your biggest, um, your biggest cheerleaders are not just going to be the clients that purchase. Yes, we know the McDonald's fries are popping. They're great. I think they might have the best fries, right? Compared to a couple others. I like Popeye's too, but we're not going to get into that because I'm getting hungry. But anyway, <laughs> we know that from the client or from the person that is purchasing the consumer perspective, we might say McDonald's is the best place ever. However, when you go inside the company and yes, you might see diversity, maybe when you go to your local neighborhood McDonald's and that's what typically happens. You see diversity from the range of that first tier basis. But as you're moving up, as Tyrus highlighted, you see that there's a big shift and change when we get into the C-suite and the executive space. So are you truly inclusive? Are you truly diverse? You're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion solely from what the clients see, but you have to make sure that inside of your business, inside of your company, you're living those same values. I know so many companies are so focused on the client and we want to make sure we're attracting clients. We want to make sure we make them happy. But we have to make sure that, again, the people that are pushing our mission and vision, and I saw this, say this every week, are they get the same nurture and attention. And if there's still a breakdown with diversity, equity, inclusion, as you get to the middle management, the top tier, then you are not diverse, inclusive, and equitable. There is a breakdown there that you need to be remedied. So again, you have a company that's saying one thing, but as you really look into the weeds of the business, you have lawsuits, you have you, there was a time where when they did have an African-American CEO, I mean, they had, I believe it was like 355 franchise owners. Now you have about 168, 170. That's a big drop. So as you saw that number dwindling, why wasn't it addressed at that point? What, what were the conversations? Hey, we've noticed that this diverse, again, this is your statement. This is what we're putting out there. We're noticing that we're going from 365 or 355. We're at 330 now, we're at 300. What is going on with change? And if it's because you had a black CEO at one time, before he even left, it's identifying what did you do different? What, what could we implement? Who could we potentially bring in that might be able to speak to these, um, these other uh, populations that we're trying to serve? Let's work together and come up with a plan so we can make sure that in every McDonald's you go to, that we need to make sure within all those experiences, it is the same. And unfortunately, they missed the mark in that area. And we need to not, long, again, you might be a new CEO out there. Do not go out there making claims that you can back up. If you don't have proof, if that's not within your corporate culture, within your business culture, don't say it. Because again, we are living in a time where people will put, put you out there and we want to make sure that we are living the same way internally that we're trying to put out there externally. But Corey, I'm going to pass it over to you. Yeah, so I um 
a matter of fact, right before that, I think I think Tyrus because I saw I saw his wheels turning. I think Tyrus got something for us, and then I and then I got my I got my word for the day that as y'all were talking, I got real quick, real quick. And Aisha, you had you did you made my wheels turn because when we think about these organizations and they have these diversity, equity, inclusion policies, who are those policies really for? It seems like it's an appeasement so we can have a diverse customer base. And you hit on that. It's about the clients. They want to have the friendly faces, smiling faces, all different colors on the commercials so they can bring in that revenue. But when it's time for equity or seats at the table, there's the glass ceiling. You can only go up so far. We'll only allow so many people. So I don't think that they're embodying these policies throughout the organization and really, is it done on purpose? Is there a certain point I'm just going to bring in or do what I need to do to get my client base, but I'm not going to really embody that in my organization to put people in the leadership positions that they should be in and they deserve to be there. We're just going to hold that in. So I feel like it's almost stacked against you. I'm going to give you what I want to give you. Like, my, like with our kids, I want you to eat just enough of this to get this. And then you get that piece of candy and you happy and you go on. But I ain't going to give you more because I don't think you need it right now. So go ahead, Corey. I just I had to get that out. No, I saw the, I saw the wheels turning. I was like, here we go. Hey, but, but look, check this out. So the, the word that I was thinking about as y'all were talking through this was just exposure, right? Like, what, is, what are you exposed to? And there was something that I read and it said that this individual, this, this lady has spoke out against McDonald's and she said, that the executives in McDonald's or like the, the really high ranking people in McDonald's, they drop from, I think it was 2014 from 42 to now current day, there's about seven, right? So McDonald's came back and said, no, actually 45% of our uh, our crew that are, that are upper management, that are some type of like high level leader, 45% of them are people of color, right? They're, they're from a, a ethnic background, right? But that the thought that I had around it was I said, well, if 45 percent of your people are from some type of ethnic background, whether they're African-American, Middle Eastern, whatever it might be. Right. If 45 percent. Why is there such a disparity in what she thinks about it? Why does she think that it dropped from 40 something to, to, to seven? Right. Like that. The word is exposure. Right. So we have to understand that. And this was my quote for the week. Right. We work with the people not that, that don't have logic. We don't work with people who typically operate with logic. We typically operate with people who have emotion. Right. And so these emotions come out of us. And most of the time, people will whatever emotion I'm feeling right now, I want to act on that. Right. Whether it's anger, whether it's you know being distraught, whether it's feeling defeated, whether it's frustration, whatever that is, whether it's happiness excitement you can sway people and i know a lot of leaders listening to this right now you can sway people however you want to go right like it's a pendulum when it comes to the emotion but i i was thinking about as y'all were talking through this exposure because if you have that many people of color in your in your upper management in your high level ranking positions why why do you then have people and and i'm just using her for an example why do you have people speaking out just saying hey we only have but a handful of people right we only have but a couple people that actually look like me in positions that you know that i would eventually one day want to obtain and so just pivoting from that like one of the things that i think about is like in any corporation that we deal with right are you placing the people in a position to be able to be seen right 
because there's a lot of companies, i.e. McDonald's, who if you're saying that you've got 45 percent of people of color in a position like this, then what are they doing? Are Can they be seen? Do they touch the people? Do they interact with their people? Do do the people of color in your in your particular business know this is what it looks like? Oh, yeah. By the way, you can make it there. Right. But what we do see is a lot of companies that they all of a sudden they they preach this. Right. And McDonald's has like George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery on there, you know, just to bring, you know, social justice awareness and whatnot. But even on certain companies, are you talking the talk or are you just are you walking the walk with it? And when you go for these promotions, are you promoting the most qualified person or is it just so happen? And I'm just being honest, it happens like this sometimes. Yes, the most qualified person is a, is a white male or female, or, you know, whatever. But there's sometimes where we know there's a clear cut person that should be up next in line. And that person got some color on their skin. They got some melanin that's popping in there. And so what happens is then all of a sudden that person gets glanced over and we're like, wait, what happened? I thought like there was no I personally know that there's no person that I would have rather worked for than this person as a collective. We've come together. It's not just one person. And but for some reason, this person got promoted and I'm not sure. And there was a situation that I just ran across that, too. I was speaking to a director about this. Uh, well, actually, he's a vice president now, matter of fact. And so he this particular group hired another director to be able to help this other office out. And so that individual was a, a white uh, female. I actually had the, the, I guess the, the privy or the, the, whatever, the, whatever, whatever word you want to use for, right. I had the opportunity to be able to help coach another person that was going into this director position and she was a woman of color. And so I did some research on the background because I said, I didn't know who she was. Right. So she's from another state that I'm in. Um, I didn't really know who she was at the time. Right. But then I did some research on the background and everyone had glowing reviews. Everyone was like, yep, she's next in line. Yep. She's the next person that should be there. I would work for her any day. I would run. Somebody said I would run through a wall if she asked me to do so in this building, as long as they don't fire me. I was like, that's powerful. Because that's the type of leader you want to put in a position like that. But then all of a sudden, the person that got hired, you had people saying, I'm not even sure who that is. Mm. So then what does that look like? So then it looks like you promoted an individual who maybe they did have a good track record. Maybe they did put up good numbers and they met their metrics and they have a good vision. But what does it look like when a consensus around an individual is saying, yeah, that's the person. And that person is of color. And then all of a sudden you hire this Caucasian lady to go in this position and people are like scratching their head. Like, who is this? I ain't never heard this lady before. So what does that look like to your company? Right. What message do you send out? What message do you send out to your people of color? Right. Specifically, your African-Americans, specifically your, your African-American women. Right. What message are you sending by making these hiring decisions and putting people in positions? Right. I think we again, we can't miss the data. We can't lose the data in there and then sometimes we have to then mesh that with the people right what by making this move is this the best thing for my company by making this move is this the route that i want my company to be seen in right because if i have these issues i'm not just saying put people and we talked about it before i'm not saying just put your token person in the chief uh uh diversity officer position let's not do that what i'm saying is have you done your research have you really put the right person in the position because the exposure should be there. I should be able to see in a company where I can go based on what I look like.
That's good, Corey. Yes. <laughs> and I want to highlight something real quick because I went to the franchising page and this just bothers me, right? So the question is, is McDonald's seeking women and minority owner operators? And the response is, McDonald's is committed to increasing the number of minority and women operators. And to the best of our knowledge, has the single largest group of minority and women operators in our industry. That, 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 that note right there, to the best of our knowledge, right. that, that's not good enough. We need to know, right? When we're putting statements out there, we need to know. And I know you can play with words and there's like a play of words. But again, this is a situation right here that now people are like, well, what is to the best of our knowledge? You should know if you are leading in that space. Because again, if you're not, then again, it's identifying what are the areas and what are the spaces that we need to look at in order to us to fix that? Because of course, it talks about the amount of money it's going to cost. And then um, it doesn't even highlight the training that comes with it because another one of the issues, and I know we've been talking a lot about DE&I, but a lot of the things we they had issues with were the business processes. It seemed like for these populations where it's in minority um, spaces, that there wasn't as much as support that they needed to make sure their revenue um, was, um, their revenue stream was effective. So everybody goes in paying around the same amount and of course you know it can range between you know a million dollars two million dollars um there's also any um, um a franchise fee of 45k so everyone's going in putting in and they have to go through the same vetting process they everybody's going through similar processes but when you put me in a population or in an area where there might be more minorities i paid the same amount of money we went through the same amount of training but i'm not getting the same love and attention and direction for me to be effective and also boost my revenue stream as well, or boost my customer service or whatever area that I need support in, that is a problem because we all have equal buy-in. We're all going through the same training program. They have a 12 to 18 month program. And of course, I'm sure they talk, they, they go through a gamut of things within that, such as going to other franchises and you know sitting there and learning from other managers. But again, even if there is a breakdown in populations that might be more minority-based, it's finding out the why, just like we were talking about Wells Fargo. What is the why behind it? Who is an expert and maybe we need to hire active lead or hire this other company to come in and say, listen, we need to figure out why we can't achieve the same revenue goal as being in maybe an area that might not be as minority based. Right. And, and finding out that issue and then, OK, we want to hire someone on the outside because McDonald's doesn't know, but active lead knows or whomever else knows. And then remedying it that way. But instead of that, they just kind of just left them because of a variety of reasons. I'm sure it has a lot to do with, you know, clearly there might be some unconscious bias and some, some other areas within their business practices that they need to work on. And just like Tyrus talked about earlier, it's really some systematic issues because this wasn't just one person. This was hundreds of franchisee owners. So that means your systems are broken. There's something wrong within the core of this company that we need to remedy. So now instead of you hiring someone and say they did cost to charge you a million dollars to fix this one issue, now you're having to go and pay monies to a multitude of individuals that might reap up to millions of dollars that you could have prevented earlier on. That's why we're so big on prevention because it's gonna save you money. It's gonna save you the press issues. It's gonna save you people, not maybe even clients, because again, now you're looking at a diverse group of clients 
people who love McDonald's that are in a multitude of areas that might say that, you know what, I don't know if I want to go to McDonald's anymore because A, maybe the food isn't as healthy in my, in my community. And then B, because look at how they're treating their team members internally, because the same people that work for you are the same people that live in those communities. We have to remember that the same people that are living in there are your, your clients, uh, your clients, that's their brothers, their sisters, people they know from the neighborhood, they work in there. So they're just as important as the clients that you might not be specifically connected. So again, I'm just, I'm just revved up today because the Wells Fargo thing in this, it's just like, come on, y'all, we have to make sure we practice what we preach. And that's why DE&I is so important for us. And that's why we've been talking about it so much because there's so many companies that we eat at, we know, and then you say one thing externally, but then now someone's like can post online. Now we're like, man, I guess those smiling faces aren't really smiling faces. So I'm going to pitch it back to you guys because I'm, I'm just <laughs> frustrated. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Although 2021 has already started, it's still not too late to launch, leverage, and lead within your industry. Myself and the ACK Leadership and Management Consulting Team is hosting an eight-week business training cohort that will take you through three essential phases to operating a successful business. Do you have a business that struggles to attract clients? Do you know if you're speaking your client's language? Do you have your business systems and processes in place? Do you even know what separates you from the rest of your competition in your business? All those questions will be answered. So join us. Go to actleadconsulting.com backslash cohort sale. Again, actleadconsulting.com backslash cohort sale. That information will also be in the show notes and come become a part of this great cohort that's going to allow you to take your business to new levels. Today. <laughs> So they can bring in that money. And I love when you talk about the word usage, because their response to this whole issue was they shared updated corp corporate values and, and more on this commitment to diversity inclusion. If you were good and you were leading in this area, why should you have to update and add some more? And then among its efforts are plans to enhance its efforts to attract and recruit diverse franchisees. Although McDonald's did not define what makes an operator diverse. So when they use these words, they just play on it. They just say enough to appease people and say, okay, they're going to change that, do a little bit better, but are they really committed? And then this isn't new. So my two, my questions for you guys, if this isn't new, if this has been happening, and then this is at least the third racial discrimination lawsuit this year, and then also three black restaurant workers sued McDonald's this year, alleging racial harassment, discrimination, retaliation at a location in Florida. My question, I got two questions for you. Ponder these, think about them. And Corey, you can start, but first, this isn't a new problem. Why is it still occurring? And then second, they say, oh, this is not true. We're about this. We 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 love our franchisees. We are diverse. Then if the evidence shows there's a decrease in black ownership, if it's not racial based, what could it be? So the problem isn't new. Why is it still happening repeatedly? And then if it's true that we're losing our black franchisee owners, if it's not about race, what is it about? Why are we losing them? 
And then Tyrus, I want you to also go back and talk about systems and you know the systems process to remedy this when we come back around. So, so the so the y'all, the answer is out of sight, out of mind for five hundred, Tyrus. Um, mm. Out of sight of mind, right? Because people aren't talking about it. That the the problem has been there. We know we need to remedy the problem, but it's not in the public eye yet. So out of sight, out of mind. And I don't have to worry about this right now because no one's really bringing this to my attention, right? Like we talked about the NFL last week. Now they want to remedy all this stuff out of sight, out of mind. Yes, it was a problem, but because my fans were kind of giving us a little bit, I'm okay with backing that. Now the fans are giving us a little bit. I can kind of back that. So that that's that's the issue that's going on within McDonald's, right? Like something that something that I was reading the other day was just and we can get on Netflix another day, and that's a different story for, for a different topic. Uh, we might bring that to y'all one day. So y'all let us know if y'all want to talk about Netflix too. But something that McDonald's did was they they donated, it was like $1 million to some, some social justice um, group, right? McDonald's is a $21 billion company. $1 million to us is like, oh, man, they really put some money up, right? McDonald's is $21 billion, right? Meanwhile, the reason I brought Netflix in there is because Netflix came out and said, hey, look, I'm going to give you $5 million. And on top of that, I'm going to show you where I'm sending it to. So they sent it to like the, it was like the ghetto film school, which is like this, um, like black owned um, film school that are, are trying to make more black like directors and creators and whatnot. They sent it to like Colin Kaepernick's uh, camp. They sent it to, um, I think it was like Fireflight Media or Firelight Media or something like that, which is like another black owned um, media school or media training or whatnot. So they said, I'm going to show you where I'm sending it. Right. And so the, the, the reason is I don't want you to get caught up in the money. I just want you to show us to like to see that out of sight, out of mind happens when, OK, well, I'm going to give a million dollars. It's cool. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to put George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery on my website. And I'm going to, you know, but but in the in the meantime, as Tyrus and Aisha was saying, like you see the franchise ownership going down, you're losing franchise owners of color, right? You're losing people who are generating your business, right? Like just imagine that. How much money are you losing because you lost one franchise, right? Some companies, and just to break it down, for those of you who aren't in positions of leadership, some companies for every minute of productivity lost is one what they call an EFT, right? So it's the it's the employees basically um it's the employee's benefit package. It's the employee's pay for that year or whatnot. One minute loss of productivity. And depending on the company, you lose one person's salary, right? So imagine when you get rid of a whole franchise and now you're getting rid of franchise after franchise after franchise. How much money are you losing by doing this? And so now all of a sudden, oh, let's speak up now, right? Let's speak up because we, that's now it's on the top of our head. Now it's on the top of that. But I think there there comes a, a process, too, that when we see so many minority business owners drop out, because you got to think about it, too. How much money and I don't know how much money it takes to open a franchise for McDonald's. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it costs a bunch, because the, the reason I say that is I've looked into like subway franchises before, too. And that's like the cheapest like franchise that you can get into as far as fast food goes. But. This is what I want to. This is what I want you to learn. If you put that amount of money up, I, you can't just take that from me. I'm not just going to give up on it. I'm invested, right? Like if I, if you go buy a house today, a lot of y'all that we speaking to got some houses. 
you got some rental properties, whatever, right? A lot of y'all, you're just not gonna give it up. Like if you if you put three hundred thousand dollars into a house, right? And you got the you got the money and you done paid it off and all that stuff, you're not just gonna be like, well, sure, just take it. I'll just give it up. That's not gonna happen, right? So I want you to think about that as far as that. What is the level of treatment that these franchise owners were getting for them to say, you know what, I'll buy out. I know I'm making money, I'm out, I'm good, right? So that's something that I wanted to 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 kind of highlight too was. What is the treatment that's happening on the backside of it for somebody to be able to generate that much money? Because we know every single McDonald's. I don't care where you're at. You could probably be in Beverly Hills McDonald's and you probably selling that same uh, uh, Travis Scott meal. It ain't six dollars no more. It's probably like twenty five dollars. Right. And so they, they're making money. But how much money are you losing and how badly are you being treated by saying it for you to say, you know what? I'm I'm good. I'm out. I'm out. I'm good. I should take it over. And also, yeah, and also by, you know, now that you mentioned Travis Scott, I'm like, oh, that's why that partnership happened. It was a diversity goal. Um, and again, that Travis Scott, I'm going to do this every time. Like, I like him, but he doesn't speak for everyone that shops at McDonald's. And again, again, I, I hope they did the assessment to identify, okay, who's our target audience or who typically purchases from us, right? Is it solely kids or children or even myself, millennials, right? Older millennials that listens to Travis Scott. But essentially, if the goal was to like put this hip hop rapper, create this nice fancy type of sandwich or meal to attract more um, diversity, again, you're doing it to cater to the clients. Because you probably paid a nice check to Travis Scott, and now you're driving more clients to come in. But essentially, it's about the internal issue. And I loved how you guys highlighted, like when we talk about diversity, just so you guys know, when we talk about diversity, it's just not African-American. It's women. It's people that are just disabled. It's the people from the LGBTQ uh, community. It's, a, it's like a maraud of people. So when companies say we are diverse, they might be diverse in the area of women or people that are from these different communities and from different ethnic backgrounds. But you might identify that you truly do not have enough African-Americans or enough women, black women and getting to the weeds of things. So anytime that you run into a, a, a hiccup, don't just do the surface level stuff solely for the clients. I really want business owners, CEOs, leaders, entrepreneurs out there. Let us get to the root cause of the issue. Let's get so specific that we can say, listen, we are lacking five women. We are lacking whatever it is. Get so specific. So if you are questioned about it, you know that, listen, we only have five women minority owners. We want to do better. So our initiative, we partnered with the women of social justice or the women of uh, the MBA program of the United States. I'm just throwing that out there. And I know that by connecting with this organization, because that's a great way to get a pool of talent, they are bringing in women that graduated with their MBA. We're going to be able to give them proposals about or, or do a event where we can talk about being a franchise owner. And now we are in front of our target audience, the people we want to have own these franchises. So again, get so specific, have that level of specificity to the point where now, instead of putting all your energy into saying diverse, now you're saying we need to be more diverse in regards to African-American women from this type of area, from this type of background. Now let's focus on them by, by creating these partnerships. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate because, again, from the outside, they're saying one thing, but internally, that's our problem. We need to make sure as leaders, business owners, CEOs, that we are making sure internally we're right, because if we don't do that, then we are truly not 
practicing what we preach and that's what we don't want to do so really start looking at it from that perspective is my internal processes am i treating my people right internally and if if so then when you do speak about things externally you can practice what you, you are practicing what you preach and you can back it up as well yeah, so let's talk so, about those systems tire oh sorry you check this out right before we right before we move on this right i just want to like I, I i felt numbers in my spirit today and so like something that i was thinking about was marriott right marriott actually so you talk about McDonald's gave a million dollars, right? Marriott said that we're going to go ahead and spend one billion with uh, minority women owned companies. And so they were like, we're going to do that every single year, basically. Right. Uh, or they said they said it in 2020. We're going to we're going to spend one billion dollars with minority owned women businesses to help help them grow. There, there's also a program to help those businesses out. Right. And there's also a subset inside of Marriott that I think they work with women owned organizations or whatnot. So it's like, you want to put your money where your mouth is, put a billion up, right? Cause Marriott, I know Marriott makes a whole bunch of money and I don't know exactly what they're worth, but at the same time, I mean, put your, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. Let's talk about the systems and the processes. So what is a system? A system is a repeatable set of things that, if done daily, will help you continue to grow and scale your business. We know that what's measured gets done. So when you create your systems and that as these organizations begin to revamp their systems, there should be a process for diversity planning. And it should be so, like Aisha said, so specific that you know exactly when something's not happening. So for McDonald's, they're like, oh, we're so diverse, now we need to revamp our program, bring in more people. Well, your system should have been there to know or recognize when you didn't have enough diverse people. What does that look like? Being a diverse franchise owner, how many do you need? What's the percentages? What's the numbers? When they don't have those systems in place to detail that and to pick up on it, because it should almost be automatic. Oh, we had a decrease in 50 owners. What's going on? Let's go and make sure they're going through the same program everybody else is going through. And then let's identify the hiccup and make the corrective action. Those are the things that organizations need internally to catch themselves before somebody says, hey, look, I feel like this ain't fair. This is going on with just us black franchisees. What are you doing about it? And they say, oops, we didn't have any kind of process, procedure, SOP, rule, nothing to identify that gap. And now we have to create it. So as you're building your business from the beginning, you need to include all of these pieces and you don't know what you don't know. But as a new business owner, you should seek help with consulting companies like ours, Active Lead, where we can help start your business off and create, help you create those systems, processes, procedures that encompass all of these things as needed so you can measure and identify. Now, a great thing for systems and what is needed is feedback. And I want to pivot into that. So if you have a system, does your system work? And are you allowing proper constructive criticism or feedback to be given freely? Because it seems like with these companies, there's a theme of retaliation coming in. When an employee does say something, when a franchisee does say something, somehow now they get removed, fired, or pushed out. So 
since retaliation seems to be a thing, if we complain, if you complain, we get rid of you. How can we remove that kind of fear from our organizations, Aisha? Well, I mean, again, that, that'll be a culture shift, but um, I think you highlighted something important. Again, when we talk about identifying the root cause, because again, that's the core of what we do. We come through and we help you identify the root cause through an organizational health check. Once we identify the root cause, now we can start to come up with remedies and the remedies are typically systems-based. So we'll come up with the systems, the processes, who you need to hire, what areas to address, and then the maintenance plan. How do we maintain this, um, this change? And also think from an innovative perspective because you're always gonna be identifying and learning, okay, what's gonna be coming up with the face of leadership development or business development or organizational health for the future. Because again, now we're shifting to where the millennials and the Gen Zers are gonna be your future clients, your future leaders. So, and they speak a completely different language, but um, that feedback process is so important. So A, you need to identify why is there a culture where there is retaliation? Where is that coming from? Is that the culture of the CEO? Is that what the CEO wants? Or is it specific um, other um, areas or other leaders within the maybe that C-suite or that executive tree that has created this culture? And if they have, how do you remedy it? Is it letting go of them? Is it addressing it and saying as a CEO, we want to make sure feedback is feedback is welcomed and that's the culture. And then as a CEO, you're going to have to step out there and say, we want your feedback and make sure that every executive you hire, you have within your core team, that they are, again, living the same values and the mission of that brand, of that business, of that organization. Again, one leader can literally shake up your entire organization. So if your values are we are inclusive, we're equitable, we're about diversity, we welcome feedback. We want clients and we want our team members to provide feedback. But then you hire executives and individuals to manage these franchises and they're not living by that. Then you have an alignment issue. I brought someone on. And they aren't aligned with our values. And I hope that's something that you have within the core of your franchisee training or whatever training that you have. When I bring in a new leader, let me reiterate what the company vision, mission, values are. What is important to me? What is What are the areas that we want to make sure that we are focused in? And this is how I want you to conduct yourself in the organization. Make sure that's reiterated. And again, when someone is not aligned and there's an alignment issue, you have to have an accountability process to make sure that it's addressed. If it's the second time, now it might require some paperwork or maybe you do something to pull them out and have somebody come, go in there to make sure that the they're kind of um, they're, they're coached and they're developed. If it happens again, there's another tier of accountability and so on and so on until, sorry, unfortunately, you no longer can be our franchise owner because you do not um, epitomize, you don't walk this, uh, we're not in alignment anymore. And I wanna make sure that my brand isn't being tainted because I am in partnership with someone that does not have the same type of values. And that's why it's so important that again, any partnerships that you get with, even here, we have whole discussions and we have to make sure we're aligned. We have to make sure that, okay, what are our values? What's important to us? And if we find that Corey is acting a whole fool, sorry, Corey, we love you, but you got to go. Okay, you got to go. Tyrus, I'm saying, what, what did you just do? Uh-uh, we can't do that. Aisha, girl, I don't know about that. You can't be doing that. We're done. And again, and really making sure that we live that lifestyle and have accountability, have measures to address it, a process, again, a system, and then it might require you letting go of that partnership because again one leader can tarnish your entire brand and again sometimes there are growing growing pains with that we saw that with ellen her show started she addressed it it's
It's been an uncomfortable process for her. We're going to see how she addresses it uh, later on. But she's at rise season. Okay, let me start walking towards that rise. But now she needs to make sure by by firing those three gentlemen, by bringing on new minds and new um, and although they're not diverse, we want to work on that. Um, um, it's going to be so important that now is having that accountability process, making sure that partnerships are in alignment and creating those systems and processes to address those areas. So this does not happen again. Now you're back, back into that proactive season. So it doesn't happen again. So I think that's just the best way to address it. And we start with feedback. But again, it has to be the culture of the CEO, the executives, the decision makers, the ones that are pushing these, the franchise owners, the leaders, making sure they're all in line. So team members now feel comfortable with speaking their mind and they don't run into situations like Corey had recently where you have a team member that doesn't even feel comfortable to call out because of a family issue because they're afraid of losing their job. So we don't want that to happen. And I just put your business all out there, Corey, but. That's just the best example I can think of. All right. Real, real it's the real day. Yeah. It's real life. Can you you know, talk about that real quick? And then we're going to go through the process of identifying will McDonald's or do you think McDonald's will rise or fall from this? Go ahead and talk about that, Corey. You're muted or did your your microphone? Go yeah, off? I surely was. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just just to give you all a little context behind it. Right. Um and, you know, just to bring it full circle, as far as what we talked about, you got to bring in somebody like us. You got to bring somebody in that can give you the feedback, look at your information that you have, like and really, really give you the process. And then once once we have a process in place, then we say, OK, how do we lift the people up? Right. Because that's your foundation. And so with this particular individual that she was speaking about, it was a situation I ran across where the person says, hey, um, I'm afraid to get fired. You know, uh, and I'm not going to put a business out there like that, but it, it was a it was a family matter. Someone in her family had caught a seizure. Right. She was like, man, I'm I'm so worried about it. Right. I need to be gone right now. And my response was, well, why can't you just go handle your business? And so that individual says, well, because I'm afraid of getting fired. Right. I had a situation where my time was approved, but because I didn't use this other specific system that no one else really uses like that. I got, you know, I got written up for it. So I'm afraid to go and do, you know, to, to go and handle my business. So I get what you're saying. But at the same time, I got some bills to pay. And so that's the part where you start to say, OK, this is your process. Right. But then are you uplifting your people within that? Right. Like, are you pushing your people to be able to really drive your vision and your process? Because we can have a process all day and it'll be great. And you will hit a specific set of numbers and they may look wonderful to you. But then you have to ask yourself the question, are you truly getting to that point? Are you truly getting the productivity? Are you truly getting out this person? And I'm not talking about just metrics, right? Are you truly getting the next leader, the next promotion for it? Are you getting the next person that will take your company to the next level, right? Are you getting that person from this? Because we can talk about, well, where's the productivity? How does it affect my bottom line? All this stuff, right? But if you're losing somebody, right, you're going to spend on average $5,000 just to get somebody new. But then who knows if that person is performing like that for this particular individual? I was able to look at their, their numbers and I was like <laughs> it by making this person upset, by not backing up this person, by by even putting the person in a position and say, I don't really know what I can do right now. But then I'm stuck. Right. And not being able to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to catch y'all later. I got some I got some business to go handle. That person then buys in and they and then they say, you know what? I'm committed to you because you were there when I needed you to be there, right? And it's something as simple as saying, 
go ahead and handle your business. I'm not doing anything crazy. You know, you still got to use your time for it. You know, you still got to. And in this situation, I might have even made a call and say, you know what? Just make that time up later. I'm not even going to hold it against you. But you got to put yourself in a position to say, look, we got these systems in place. We got the processes in place. And then we're going to push the people up, right, to be able to put that foundation there. That way the, the processes aren't falling through. Because sometimes, look, it's, it's not that you have a process problem because you have a people problem. But when you got to fix the you got to fix the process, that way your people can fall in line with it, because the process that you currently have isn't the one that's most effective for what's going on in the workplace. So, yeah, I'm gonna let you take that away, Towers, because that that was just something I I had to shed light on, because there's a lot of people out there. And maybe it might not be a family member who has a who has a situation like that, but it could be something as simple as, you know, my kid, you know, can't go to daycare today. You know, my, my child has to come get picked up from school. What are you doing in that case to support your person? So. And just to bring that and bring it kind of full circle with what you guys are talking about with the systems. When we think about when McDonald's started, when Ray Kroc was out running around trying to build these franchises, bring people in, he had a system, a systematic approach of doing that. And then he found out that, okay, certain people did not work for this system. He started bringing in business owners to own franchises. And what he learned was a business owner only wants to invest their money. They ain't looking for a job. So their franchises were doing everything. Their McDonald's was doing all, just bringing all kind of people in. He was like, okay, this isn't the image I want for this company. Now I'm going to start bringing in franchisees or owners who are couples that are working and that will take pride into owning it. And that's how McDonald's got built by people who wanted to work couples and they had a family atmosphere. They didn't want the smoking, the drinking, the bar atmosphere. Now, when we look at our CEOs that are in charge of organizations, are you getting out amongst the people amongst your company and really looking at okay for our system of what we want our image are we embodying that now mcdonald says a lot of great things about diversity has the upper echelon the upper c-suite the top leadership are they really getting out and i love the show undercover boss because undercover boss takes ceos owners cfos of these large companies and then they go undercover to see how their organization really works. Do they have a system in place? Is that system and process being followed? These are the types of things that all companies should be doing. And this is a proactive stance. And whether or not you, the CEO, can go out and do it or you hire a company like ours, it is something that's needed and it's a necessity. I get that the CEO of McDonald's can't go to every single McDonald's franchise around the world. It's impossible. But what they can do is put a little money behind it and ensure that there's a systematic approach to checking on all of our different systems. I bet you they check the money. I guarantee you somebody checking how many dollars coming in. How about you check the culture, the pulse of your people? Put, put people first. And Corey, I know that's what you love. Put the people in. And I think that we're too busy and we're too focused on the number aspect as owners. Is my business making money? How many sales I got? But then what about my people? What about the people that's, that's bringing that in, that's showing they're the face? So when I think about that, it just brings it all full circle that our CEOs need to just do more. And I also have a, a, a quick little story about 
one of my coaching clients, we were on a group call. And when the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter thing kind of started blowing up earlier this year, and she works in our office and she said, you know what, they haven't said anything. Like, I, we have three owners, they're all white. They haven't said one thing. And I said, well, do you feel comfortable enough just asking them what's their what they feel? And she said, no, I don't feel comfortable doing that because I might lose my job. So what kind of organizations do we have? Well, our people that we hire don't feel comfortable to come tell us, you know, you haven't made a stance. And maybe I'm not, I don't need you to make a stance, but at least allow me to voice what I feel about this situation without fear of retaliation. Retaliation is real and it's throughout all of our ranks and we see it almost everywhere in every industry. We have to figure out how to change that culture, how to put the people first. So we just got to go from there. Yes, I mean, no, go ahead, yeah, Corey. So one, one thing that I was going to say, though, was just on a just on a I don't want people to get caught up in this whole conversation about um, just the, the, the racial issues between it. Right. Like one of the things we have to start thinking about, too, is like also ageism. Because one some something that we that we glance over is is when you get to that C-suite level, what are the age ranges of these people, right? Because that's where you start to get into where your thoughts are going, like why where your business is pivoting to. Are you being hit to kind of what the community is doing? Right. And so I think about the majority of people and corporations that we run across, right? Uh even my even myself just individually, there it's a lot of baby boomers, right? Because that's the older generation. But then, you know, maybe you sprinkle in some millennials here and there. And then even nowadays, you know, as, as we progress, depending on how good that person is, you got some Gen Z that's starting to come through and they're starting to get to a point where it's like, OK, I'm, it's not the 19, 20 year old that, you know, just got out of college at 22, 23, 24. And that's the cutoff. Right. That maybe they have the wherewithal to be able to stand within that C-suite. So are we seeing a diverse amount of people in the C-suite jobs and the CEO roles, the CFO, the, you know, the, the CIO roles that have a different outlook on life versus, you know, just having baby boomers? Just have if you look at somebody's board and they're all 60 plus. Right. If you look at somebody's board and they're all 70 plus. Right. Like we we have to be able to look at at different aspects of that as well, you know, just to just to 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 really understand where is this thought process coming from. So that, that was the last piece I wanted to uh, to put out like that, because one, one thing that we have to understand is that um, leaders do two things, right? Like if it, at bare minimum, if there's two things that you do as a leader, it's you, you create a vision and you create a vision that people have not yet seen. And then what you do after that is you got to be able to effectively communicate it. If there's nothing else that you can do, you got to be able to say, I know you can't see this right now, but I know this is what's about to happen. And then say, okay, this is how we're going to do it, right? This is this is how I'm going to convey that to you. So that's that's the last piece I have for that one. Yeah, so, I mean, I think you guys hit on some very great points, um, especially generational. What he's talking about is generational diversity, and that's a part of our training, too. Um, because when we talk about diversity, we want to educate on the 
um, the, the great things about women, but also about the generational diversity, because again, your future clients are those Gen Zers, those millennials, your future leaders, all those millennials, but are you speaking their language? Do you know how they communicate, what their needs are? I mean, how do you market to these clients? So um, like diversity ranges like in so many different ways. And again, a lot of organizations and companies don't take time to fine tune and have that clarity on this and get the specificity on what area of diversity do we need need to focus more time on versus, you know, again, coming up with their own ways of addressing it that's not really effective. Um, And I know we talked about... um, how they have undercover boss, but it's like they have, you know, you ever heard of secret shoppers? They'll have them go out as a client and go and um, they'll go and purchase something. And then they'll submit a, um, submit a, uh, some type of report that identifies what their experience was, but it'll be great if we launch a team called secret employees. Okay. They go into companies, work there for 30 days and see what their experience was. Because again, we focus so much on the externals and we need to start focusing on the internal. So to just do a round Robin, I'll start off. Do you guys believe McDonald's will rise or fall? Well, no, I'll end it because I'm going to end it anyway. So do you guys believe that McDonald's has an opportunity to rise or will they continue to fall based off of the data and what we have seen throughout the years? Tyrus? I'm going to be honest. McDonald's is such a huge, huge corporation. They are almost, and I don't like to use the word a staple in the community, but they are cemented in all of our communities and around the world. They ain't going nowhere. And another thing I want to highlight is when we talk about our stocks, I see a lot of people talking about selling my McDonald's shares. Well, you're just selling them so the people who can buy more and don't care about the whole diversity, equity, inclusion, so they can buy more. Don't sell your shares. You give away control. You give away those votes at the, the boardroom meetings. You give away those things when you start to sell your shares and leave a company. No, let's stop running from these organizations and start exercising our power. Hey, here's my financial, my economic investment in this company. I need this return on my investment. I want to see more people like me in your commercials instead of just cutting and running. So they won't fall. They will rise again. They will continue to bring people in. I'm sure that with their new reactive stance, they will bring on more black franchisees. I might try to go up in there and be like, hey, y'all go shoot me one for 5,000 since y'all want to bring some numbers in. Lower that bar a little bit to make it more equitable for everybody involved. So they'll continue to rise. Yeah, I think for me, I just, I think the only reason they continue to rise is because they fill a, they fill a space that many fast food places can't do right like so i can go there and get a dollar burger versus going to get a six dollar salad um i can get 20 chicken nuggets for five dollars and feed my kids with that right versus going to chick-fil-a and i'm gonna spend five dollars on like 10 um but you know it i just think they fill a space business wise um not saying that this is right to do but they fill the space and they, they are such a staple in communities that like we said, we, we were just talking at the beginning, McDonald's fries, right? It's like, you want some fries? Let me let me swing by McDonald's real quick. But I think because of price, um, they're going to, I think because of price, they're going to retain a whole bunch of people. But I think if they, if they continue at the pace that they're at, though, if they continue losing franchise owners, losing franchise owners of color, losing franchise owners who have different ethnic backgrounds, 
I'll be honest with you. I think probably within the next 10 years, we will see them fall. So because of because of price, because of need, they will they will probably stay the same. I'm not sure they'll rise. Um, but I think within the next 10 years, uh, y'all don't quote me on this. Or matter of fact, if it does happen, quote me on this and say that, that you heard it here first. They will fall because you don't have people as we grow, as we build, as these millennials, Gen Z, all these people, um, as as they start to take hold and really let their voice be heard, I think they might fall if 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 something's not changed. I agree with what you said, Corey. I think that they will continue to rise externally and fall internally. Again, we've seen over the years and over time that there has been a dwindling. Um, and again, every company has, and again, this isn't you know indefinite, like, okay, they're for sure going to fall. But again, if they do fall, again, you heard it here first. <laughs> but essentially, based off of the historical data and what we've seen, they're going to, they're falling and they're continuing to fall internally. And again, externally, it is cheap. Um, custom, you know, again, they probably know what, what customer base to target because, again, we do have certain, um, you know, certain populations that, hey, that that is probably what, the, what they can afford in this season. I mean, it has an affordability aspect to it. But again, we are living in a time where there is a shift and there is a change in the generation and their needs. And just like Corey said, if 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 we really start taking control of our dollar, who we invest our monies in, if we really start again, like Tyra said, continue to make sure that we own the stock so we have a say, because if we own the stock now, that gives us a voice because, you know, you're, I would say you're working for me, but you kind of are, right? I'm looking for the, for the comp company to continue to thrive because if they continue to thrive, then I'm going to continue to make money off of it. So that is the goal um, from the consumer or from the shareholder aspect. Um, but again, internally, they are going to continue to fall unless they remedy these issues. So it's so important that they continue to work on being more diverse, but be specific and get to the specificity as to what that is. Remedy those issues, have an accountability, excuse me, an accountability measure and make sure they are is a level of alignment with who they are working, um, working with or bringing into their teams or their franchisee owner population and make sure it's alignment to where what it was created uh, to be initially. And I think we've gotten away for that because money does seem to sometimes taint things. If you have, if you haven't watched the social dilemma, watch that. You see how social media was initially created for people to connect, to bond. Those likes were supposed to make people feel good, but now it's turned into a monetization tool that now we've gotten away from the purpose and now we're just about the dollar. So it's not about the payment, it's about the purpose. All right, I'll write that down. It's not about the payments, it's about the purpose. And if you are, if there's purpose behind what you do, if you're touching lives with people, if you're effective, then you will see essentially that the money will come. So they will rise only if they start to work internally. But right now, I believe that it's going to continue to fall externally. So thank you for listening into another episode of Internal Fire Presents the Act and Lead series. It's one thing to get information, but it's another thing to apply it. So leaders out there, take this information. How can you apply it in how you manage, how you lead, how you do things in business, how you continue to move forward? And as we always say, we don't just lead, we mix action with leadership. Tune into a next episode next week and learn more about us at athleteconsulting.com. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? 
Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speak fire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces.